Welcome. This is Talking Joy, creating joy, inner peace, and authentic connections. My name is Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and I am founder of lifestyle brand Talking Joy. As a certified spiritual director, I have been leading groups with the power of words, the strength of positivity, and the gift of joy. During our time together, our focus will be on simple spiritual practices that can be applied to your everyday life with the wisdom and support of others. Talking Joy talks to help you realize your value. I am so glad you're here. Simple, joyful, fun. Let's get talking. Well, welcome to the Talking Joy podcast. Um, I'm so glad that both of you are here. And, uh, you know, really, we have Aaron, who's the director of athletics at Middlebury College, and Brad Corrigan, who's a member of the band Dispatch. You're also the founder and president of Love, Light, and Melody, um, a nonprofit organization dedicated to battling physical, emotional, and spiritual effects of extreme poverty. And I love that word about spiritual effects because when things happen to us, we are affected spiritually. You know, our spirits are affected. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that. And uh, I can't wait to hear a little bit more about that. But if we could start first with Aaron, like, how did you guys meet? And, um, you know, I think it had something to do with coaching. And yeah. tell a little bit about that, please. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely coaching. Um, met Brad when uh, it, during the recruiting process. Uh Brad was a lacrosse player in high school and um, had played part of his career for a, a good friend of mine before he switched schools and uh, was looking at Middlebury. So we got to know each other through the recruiting process. And it was a, it started off as even then a, a pretty unique relationship where it felt uh, much more personal and much more connected than it might in, in what might feel like a transactional process. Um, I tried to not have recruiting be transactional because I, I said, these are people who I'm going to be friends with 30 years from now. And, and here we are. Um, so the recruiting process was, was a little bit more personal. And then I met Brad's family as with my, uh, with my wife, Pam, uh, before Brad even got here, we met his family out in Colorado and uh, really hit it off. So Brad's career at Middlebury, again, wasn't sort of a transactional player coach. It was, player, coach, friend, family. He was connected with my family while he was at Middlebury. And, um, you know, we would do some things while he was here. And uh, we've, we'll, I'll fast forward over a long, rich friendship since then uh, that we can maybe um, backtrack on over the course of the, the call to say that, you know, we've, we've had the blessing to stay in touch over the years and connect uh, at a lot of different points. Um, but certainly started with our lacrosse relationship and, and right from the beginning became more than just a transactional player coach relationship. And so Aaron, that plays into what you and I were talking about a little while ago when I was asking you about your spiritual journey and you were talking about the importance of unity and, and not just about the end game, about winning, and there was much more to it. And it sounds like from the onset with your relationship that you were paying attention to that. You know, you wanted him to feel like this was family and not just, um, you know, passing through for four years and, 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 and winning some games. It was, there was much more to it than that. Yeah. I would say that was my experience in sports and and why I went into coaching is that yes, there's an object to the game where you try to 
prepare to do as well as you can. And, you know, there is a scoreboard and, and that gives you something to focus on. But at the end of the day, the purpose of why we're doing what we're doing, the relationships, the development of, of people to become the best people they can, to develop relationships um, with those people, to, to maximize, you know, all of that for the object, but also way beyond. If it's just about winning games, then it's, it's sort of a, you know, fruitless purpose really just doesn't mean anything to win a division three lacrosse game or really even to win an NFL game doesn't mean a thing, but if we can develop something bigger, if we can be friends and have done all the things together that we've done, you know, 20, 25 years later, then it really matters. Um, so yeah, that, that was why I went into coaching in the first place and guys like Brad and these relationships uh, make it, make it really worthwhile. And I think you can't teach that unless you've learned it and, and done the work on yourself. And, and I think, you know, because you've done that in your own life, you were able to offer it to others. And that's a really important piece of it, you know, that we all need to show up and do our own spiritual work, whatever that means. Um, And you had talked earlier about, you know, putting tools in your tool belt, and I talk about that a lot too in teaching is that we need those tools in order to teach others. And that's what makes great leaders, great leaders is that you've done the work in order to offer it to others. So Brad, what would you say um, was on the flip side, your experience coming you know, to Middlebury and, and having Aaron as a coach and a friend and. Well, I think it was interesting, right? From the, the get go to feel like there was the possibility of not being in a performance-based environment or performance-based relationship with a coach or with a team. Um, I was looking at one or two other schools. I didn't have a really broad uh, recruiting process. I really thought I knew where I wanted to go. And Middlebury, um, through one of my best friends here in Denver who had committed to go early, he just said, hey, you know, I know you're looking at a couple of different places, but it really feels like the coach and the culture and the tradition, it just seems like more than than just going somewhere to play. It feels like being a part of a tribe or being part of a, a really rich tradition. And so when I met Aaron and Pam, um, I think I was really drawn to this idea that you know, lacrosse isn't going to last forever for me, but it is my identity. It's my greatest passion. I wonder what will happen even off the field in those four years and how much I'd be encouraged to find other passions and explore them. And, you know, very quickly to have a coach that was interested in me as a whole person, not just as what I could do for his particular strategy to, you know, excel on the field you could feel it and it and it and it mattered right away i mean as soon as i met aaron the other schools just drifted to the background and i had hoped that uh, everything would work out that i could go and all the all the dots connected from that point so he became kind of like your surrogate family away from home it sounds like absolutely and what he um, did not say parenthetically is that my I was going through a really tumultuous time in my life too. My parents had uh, not because of their own fault, but had gone through two uh, really interesting financial scenarios where we had lost, uh, I mean, really had lost all of our money. My parents went bankrupt. So I ended up in Middlebury uh, almost like I remember having been 
fairly privileged in playing at a prep school and being able to fly back and forth and go wherever, whenever. And honestly, I ended up in Middlebury and when we'd have long weekends or holidays, oftentimes uh, I couldn't fly home. Um, and so Aaron and Pam joyfully would extend an invitation a week before so that I wouldn't even have to say that I couldn't go home. And then I would just stay with them. And I, I just felt really seen and I felt held in the midst of, wow, I'm trying to figure out my own identity and my parents love me and I love them. We have a wonderful relationship, but there's this financial instability where I don't know exactly how to come and go, so to speak, alongside the rest of my teammates. And I mean, the Quins were just fast family for me and it, it made it that much more rich an experience. Yeah, I love that. Um, I, I moved away from where I grew up, um, you know, as a kid, when I got married, you know, moved to a different state. And I remember when I started to have kids, I didn't have helpers. I didn't have family, immediate family nearby. And I remember somebody said, find surrogate family, find surrogate. And we did, you know, through like our church and, and other places in the community. Um, and it sounds like you found that, but I also, I'm hearing that if your parents hadn't gone through that, that that was one of the blessings for you that came out of it because you would have been on an airplane and out of there, but yet you stayed and, and you guys, you know, had this, uh, had this opportunity to connect, um, you know, on a deeper level. That's so, probably so true. Yeah. That really created, it created a uniqueness that I would never go back and change at the time I would have, oh my gosh, you know, it's one of those situations where you would never choose for anything that your, you know, dearest family or friends would go through that had that amount of change in it. But it created a scenario where um, I was so grateful to go to a school and to find a, a place where I could perform at a really high level have amazing tradition, incredible teammates, and still be seen for who I was and still be invited to be a person instead of just a jersey number. It was just an incredible experience and something that you knew Aaron had decided, I'm going to lose some players because of this. Some parents and some, the recruiting process, you know, the competitive uh, pipeline of how some people who are just looking for wins in the win column, they don't quite know what to do when they're viewed as a whole person or when they're asked what they do outside of something. Um, so I was just really, I was blown away that this still existed and really wanted to see if this guy, Aaron Quinn was as good as he, uh, as he presented and man, oh, here we he are. Was, he was young then. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling like a big brother, <laughs> relationship here more than uh you know like a father son you know older coach type of thing well especially like, since he shaved his beard off i mean he yeah. looks like he's 35 now and i look like i'm 50 <laughs> with a new with a new baby <laughs> um so what i'm hearing not that you were just seen but you were you were also that your um your gifts were called forth and that you were celebrated by by someone else outside of your family and and that's so important for anybody even listening is that, you know, we need to take care of one another. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that that's amazing. So Aaron, what has it been like for you to watch Brad blossom into, you know, 
into the, the, the man that he has become. I mean, he's such a giving soul and we'll get into his work a little bit, but um, what has it been like for you? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. And, and really important, you know, as a young coach and, and you're making these decisions to go about coaching in a certain way, thinking that there are things more important than wins and losses and that, um, you know, and I think I, I will parenthetically say that ironically the wins and losses came the, the wins came way more than losses, maybe because of not caring about the wins and losses. Um, but that still doesn't matter. And like, you win a national championship, we were fortunate enough to do that. And then, you know, the next day you still go to the grocery store and have to get bread and milk and things like that. So you realize pretty quickly that yeah, it's just the life in, in all of these relationships are more important. But I would say the that early investment in in, in thinking of I'm going against the grain here of what people normally do, but this feels right for me. And um, to, to have all these years later, have it, you know, continually affirmed through people like Brad uh, and Brad being, you know, um, with no offense to Brad, not, not unique as the only player who has, um, who I've stayed in touch with or, but certainly, you know, what Brad has done is, is, is pretty unique and our relationship is pretty unique, but uh, amazing feeling makes the, you know, makes that sort of commitment made many years ago by a fairly clueless young coach um, seem very worthwhile telling people. I can remember one of Brad's teammates, uh, Charlie Winery. I can remember telling him during, it would have been the same year. It would have been 91 during the recruiting process saying, Charlie, I'm not recruiting you for the next four years. I'm recruiting you for the next 30 or 40 years. Um, and, and I had that impression that many years ago. And then here we are all these years later. So really affirming to know, you know, that I've been on this journey with Brad, um, Brad's gifts and how he um, uses them um, are, are independent of me in, in many ways. And if I didn't show up in his life, uh, he would have been just fine without me and uh, would be sitting here with somebody else. Um, but, you know, ha having uh, been a part of the, the formation of, of some of who Brad has become is affirming, but also just going through this with Brad. Like, I, I don't feel like Brad was this um, piece of clay that came to Middlebury very unformed and, and I made him into a certain person and then sent him off into the world. Um, we've been on this together and been growing together and, and it's really been, you know, a beautiful thing to, and, and literally together in some cases, doing some of this work together, Brad coming on to our staff, you know, Hey, I'm, I've got this staff during COVID that I'm trying to support. Can you come on to the call and maybe sing some songs and tell, tell a little bit of stories about where you are with your, your journey. And, and then Brad saying, Hey, you know, I've got, Love, Light, and Melody and Lacrosse the Nations down in Nicaragua, would you come down with your family and, and we can do some of this work together? So sometimes it's literally still doing it together. Um, you know, well, what a blessing. It's a healthy give and take relationship. It's not one-sided, you know, it's, Absolutely. it's you're getting something from him and he's getting, he's has gotten and is getting, you know, something from you in return. And, you know, what I'm seeing is that, um, that you're both, uh, on the same path for wanting to serve others sort of in this light, um, uh, you know, with, with the gifts that you were given and that you're both living out the, a purpose 
you both have purpose-driven lives and you both figured out what your purpose is. And I think that um, many people on the spiritual journey are still trying to figure out what their gifts are. Um, and I think that, um, that doing spiritual work will help you figure out what that is. You know, you can let some of the stuff sift away. Um, what I'm also hearing too, Aaron, is that there's no ego involved here. You know, you're not saying, you know, it's none of this is ego driven. It's really, um, I'm feeling like your work with uh, athletes and, and with Brad and taking him in was really came from a heart space and not necessarily like, oh, you know, how's this going to make me look, you know, for others, or is this going to advance me? And I'm not hearing any of that. And the reason I bring that up is because, um, you know, you mentioned affirmations that you've heard from past athletes, which I think is, is so important for, for me in my work. When I get an affirmation, I'm just like, thank you. I know I'm on the right path. So those affirmations sort of um, push me forward to wanting to do more good and, you know, to affect more people, to have more of this ripple effect out into the world. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of hearing that too, which I think is beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, in the business I'm in, you know, where there's competition and wins and losses and all that, and I've been in this career for a long time, um, I, I, I think you mentioned self-awareness. I try to be self-aware because... Um, I am also uh, human. So, um, you know, you have, you get into these, you know, cycles sometimes where you realize you are caught in your head a little bit and you are caught in, in, in ego a little bit. And then, but, but if you're doing the work, you can, you know, the, the, I talk about whether it's a vicious or virtuous cycle, you can't really control the thoughts that pop into your head and then they create an emotion and the emotion maybe creates a um, a physical, physiological response, and then being aware of all that and being able to regulate that and recognize those thoughts, recognize how they're taking over your body and your emotions and your, and your soul, and then being able to have done the work to recognize that and then regulate that and come back into more of a heart space um, yeah. is a process that I've, I try to work on. And sometimes the, that head space and that ego space takes over for longer than one might hope, but hopefully you usually catch that um, and if you have really good people you're with, they catch it for you and uh, before it goes too far. Well, I I heard when you said that you catch yourself, you actually took a deep breath in. I don't know if yeah. you realized that you did that because that's sort of that reminder of like, but um, but I'm not hearing that you either one of you are operating from that sort of space. And if you do, you definitely like check in with yourself. And there again, I mean, that's self-awareness. Self-awareness is exactly where transformation happens in our lives. The minute I'm aware of something, I can actually pay put some energy into it and shift myself into a different direction. But if I'm not aware of it and I'm just kind of crashing along, then, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm, I'm living in my purpose. So. Yeah. I agree. If, if you don't mind me just saying really quickly that um, I was just uh, teaching a class yesterday and was talking about an inside out approach. It was a, it was a class where they were asking me to talk about leadership and I was talking about an inside out approach where you start with some self-awareness but that an important partner with self-awareness is self-regulation because if you're aware of what you're doing, but have no interest in changing uh, some of those things, th that's maybe not ideal either. And, and you hear people say like, well, you know me or, you know, do as I say, not as I do. And it's like, okay, well, if you recognize that and it's not really who you want to be, um, why don't you work on maybe changing that to become who you want to be and not just sort of excuse that. So before you move into sort of what I would say is other awareness with you know empathy and and taking this aware self 
um, into relationship, there's a regulation part of it too, to be able to say like, I, I can, I can modify who I am. I can grow, I can change and I can be intentional about growing into who I want to be. If I'm aware of some of the things that I feel like are not who I need to be or want to be, or getting in, in the way of who I want to be. Yeah. And one of the keys in that is that intentionality, you know, do I want to change? Do I want to grow? Um, and I think the invitation for us from the beginning, from when we're born to, to the end is, is, is to intentionally grow, um, you know, in, in, in a good light, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 So Brad, can you tell me just to switch gears a little bit? Um, how did you end up in Nicaragua? And how was that, you know, this sounds like this was one of those invitations or um, life circumstances or um, pivotal moments in your life where you went somewhere. Um, it's kind of like, you know, when, when my kids have gone on mission trips and they come back and they're completely changed because they see the world through different eyes, um, you know, and it sounds like you were on a trip to Nicaragua um, you had an experience there that changed your life really in the direction of your life. And it's, uh, you know, it sounds to me that you um, have like a ministry that, that, that you're, you know, aside from singing, or maybe that's, it, it's all incorporated all together. But if you could tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Um, and to connect it to what you and Aaron were just talking about as well. Um, I think because Aaron and I have had such a, an unconditional love and joy in our friendship i mean here we are and we could focus on you know all of the aware through probably eight or ten years of our friendship so the last two years of college and the next five to seven years whatever it was thinking about only my lacrosse performance and I can think of, you know, an injury and feeling like I, I lost my confidence and letting the team down and losing my position on man up, you know, like the things that are very ego oriented, things that are very goal oriented, not hitting a particular uh, award that I had hoped for. And then carrying this insecurity and this feeling or this lie right out of college and going, well, I I can't tell him that. And I can't tell my teammates that. And I don't even want to look at it. So I carried eight to 10 years in our friendship, this sense of I'm less a man, less a person, and certainly uncomfortable when I see Aaron or when I'm gathered with our whole team or with our alumni group or playing at the Vail tournament. I felt really... I, it brought the insecurities up as opposed to bringing the, the joy and gratefulness of being in fellowship and in relationship. And thankfully, Aaron and I had the kind of friendship and relationship well after college where I was able to call and say, <clears throat> I don't know if you know this, but it's I feel- secret. You had this big secret and you're like, if they find mm -hmm. out, if anybody finds out that that I need less than, yeah. Yeah, and Pam, the thought too is like, oh, I, it, yes, massive secret, and then every reason why you should not share. He doesn't have time. This is so pointless. Why in the world am I acting like a 15-year-old instead of a 25-year-old? I'm in a band now. Who needs to even work on this? Surely it's going to go away on its own. I legitimately needed to share it, bring light to it, confess it to 
the one whose affirmation I was still seeking. And in my head, I had lost it. And Aaron was like, I'm so glad that the way I remember it is I'm so glad you took the time to share this with me. That's not how I see your lacrosse career. Yeah, I remember that injury. Yeah, I remember a little bit about the bigger picture on this, but that's not how I see you. And you brought so much value to the team. And there's this leadership and there's this. And it just took thousands of pounds off me. And I felt like, oh my gosh, now I can look back on my entire lacrosse career and know that it's not just about the statistics and the stats, but I'd fallen into that, even though I thought that I couldn't. And you know what, I, people who are listening are not gonna be able to see your body language, but we carry so much in our bodies, you know, energy, like things that come at us, those emotions, they weigh us down. And when you said that it lifted off of you. And so, you know, I remember a story once about a woman who was violated and she wrote about it. And she said that she, that hurt. She, when she wrote, went down her arm, out her fingers, through the pen, onto the page and out of her body. And it sounds like, you know, what, what I'm hearing is that you did that same thing by being courageous enough to tell Aaron how you were feeling. He was able to say to you, oh, no, that's not how I saw it. You know, and he gave you new eyes for seeing it, number one, but you were released of that burden. And so often we keep things inside. And that's why it's so important that, you know, what a brave thing for you to have done. But um, what a great reminder for all of us to share our stories and to get those things out of our bodies, because we on the other side, there's joy, there's light, there's mm -hmm. forgiveness, there's healing, there's there's, you know, all of these beautiful things come from it. Um yeah. I mean, so thank you for saying all of that because oh, that's God. an important part of our journey. You know, it's not all sunshine and lollipops all the time. I always say, you know, you got the beginning of your life and you've got the end of your life and there's this line connecting the two points and it's not just like this and you wouldn't want it just, you know, the, just this even line there's dips and valleys and there's, you know, roller coasters. And then there's like little speed bumps. And then there's like the whoo, you know, and, and then there's when you win the big game, you know, you're way up high, but it's fleeting. Like Aaron said, it's fleeting. And you know, bottom line, you know, it's really what life comes down to, at least in my mind, are these rich relationships, ordinary life. You know, one of you wrote that in your quote says here, it says there are no ordinary moments mm -hmm. in life. Right. And so I can have eyes for that, for living a life of that. Nothing is just ordinary. And it's not just about those highs and the lows. It's it's all of the life lived in between. Well, and I think there's really something to, to grace when you receive it from someone and it's modeled for you, then eventually you, ideally you take it on and give yourself grace um, to go through a season where it really is your identity is in what your definition of success is and your success starts giving over to this idea of performance where only a win is going to make you feel good about yourself when you realize that and are able to self-regulate the way Aaron was talking about being aware and then changing. I think in large part, because I had gone through that with Aaron and looking at my lacrosse career with looking through the wrong lens mm -hmm. and then recovering the right lens. Then when I went through playing in the band, it started with all heart. And then all of a sudden, as soon as there was this incredible arc toward the idea of success, all the pressure that came with it, 
I started to take the identity on again mm -hmm. from a performance standpoint of where these benchmarks were going to be that would bring me to a place of joy or contentment. And when that went away, I found myself in the same place that I was 10 years before going, man, how did I get my identity so wrapped up in the quote success of where the band needed to be as opposed to every moment being extraordinary. So that is why I said yes to a trip to Nicaragua to literally start a journey of who am I apart from this band? Mm -hmm. And I know there's more. And I know that I have, again, kind of gone down the wrong track. And I don't want to live in that place where successes give you a burst of adrenaline and quote failures. I don't want to live in fear. I want to live in. Well, interesting too, is that the second time around, you know, history will repeat itself with us until we learn what mm -hmm. we need to learn. And the second time around you caught it and you were like, no, 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 wait a minute. Um, I'm not going to. Yeah, well, this time it. I caught it over three years instead of 10. Hey, <laughs> that's, that's a lot faster. It's seven years. <laughs> yeah. um, so the invitation to go to Nicaragua, tell me about that. Um, my home church knew that I was a musician and that I had two bandmates, one from Puerto Rico and one from Brazil. And we were English, Spanish, and Portuguese speakers. So we were uh, hired to play a youth rally in Nicaragua. And I also had some friends that were a part of a surf tribe on the East Coast that were supporting uh, an orphanage. And so I went to Nicaragua thinking it would be a three-day feather in the cap and a unique experience. And, you know, I love surfing. I love music. I love kids. Sure. But I just thought it would be kind of a, a bubble experience. And somehow my heart got planted there and it began a, a new journey for me that still continues to this day. Yeah. And so tell me about that a little bit about um, what shifted in you, what, what circumstance happened that you came back and thought, you know, I've got to do something. I've got to make a difference. Well, I would say it's still very much identity driven. I was very much lost in that uh, the band had crumbled. We were on hiatus. I wasn't sure if we would ever play music again. I had been in my first romantic relationship where we almost thought about marriage and both of us were trying and it just didn't work. And so really the two touchstones in my life where I felt like I had stability were gone. And I felt like I was in a bit of a free fall in the midst of that, going to a culture and having something kind of like jolt you and kind of awaken your heart. It happened to be a, a community of families and children in particular that were living inside the city landfill in Managua, Nicaragua. and you know, the, the stated goal of the trip was youth rally and visiting an orphanage, but the Nicaraguan taxi driver who Aaron and his family have gotten to know over the years, his name is Bismarck. He had a vision for taking me, if I would allow him to where the kids had the greatest need. And I said, yes, not understanding where that meant we were going. And he drove me into the heart of their uh, 110 acre chaos war zone of a landfill i mean like nothing like what we have here in the states just a a burning um an environment filled with smoke and dust and every toxin that you can imagine and then to see kids and families living in it and scavenging for recyclables to eke out a form of existence um it so grabbed my heart 
in particular, this the first child that I met there, this girl, Ileana, that I just started going back and going back and going back while trying to start a solo career apart from the band. And over the next five years, I think I discovered I was more excited about the space between songs on stage to talk about these kids in Nicaragua and the experience that I was having. Now I see it discovering myself. They're coming together. Yeah, like I'm wanting to play concerts now to get to the little gaps where I can talk about, can you believe people live in a trash dump and still smile? And can you by believe the way, that let me have you pause a- for a second too. Sure, and sure. I'll link this, um, you know, to the podcast, this video that you made. Um, is it Alina? I don't know. Ileana. Ileana. Her, her smile is captivating. I mean, just one of those like light of God sort of faces. Um, mm. Yeah. And so I love that you started to marry the two, you know, the music and, and the mission really yeah. to, to uh, open people's eyes, uh, awareness, that this is happening. Well, you said something interesting about Ileana, that her smile was captivating, that it felt like the light of God. Uh, several years after meeting her, someone sent me a, an email. Well, th- this is definitely pretext. Someone sent me an email saying, do you know what her name means? And I was like, no. And they're like, you're not going to believe this. Google it. So I look it up and it said, Ileana directly translates as God is speaking or God still speaks. It's present tense or past tense. Uh, God has spoken. And I just thought about if that is even close to the identity of her name, her smile is like having the light of God. It, it shone on me. And I so was blown away by it and wanted others to come into it that Aaron and Pam, oh my gosh, I'm just remembering this. This is amazing. Our 10th Middlebury, my 10th reunion at Middlebury College was three days, I think, after I met Ileana for the first time. And I flew straight from Nicaragua to Middlebury. And because I had stayed with Aaron and his family during my college years, they said, anytime you come to Middlebury, the Quinn Inn is always available for you. And so I would always stay with them. So here I am flying from Nicaragua to Middlebury for my 10th reunion. And I can't wait to tell Aaron and Pam uh, and Hannah, their daughter, about having, you guys, you're not going to believe this. You know how I told you about Nicaragua? Here's this little girl. Can we watch this three-minute video that my friend made and we collectively as family i got to introduce them to this little this breath or light of god that was changing my life and it enveloped them but that's really where it started merging middlebury and nicaragua and lacrosse all of those things and you were so fresh coming in and so probably charged up with excitement to share it, that that's contagious. And Aaron, you could probably, you know, relate to that. Was it, it was contagious. You probably thought, let me get some tickets and get on a plane. I need to get there. If I can jump in with two quick stories here that that connect a few things. Um, One, Brad may or may not remember this, but we watched that video together as a family. This part, Brad will remember our daughter, Hannah, uh, who that 2006, she would have been 12 at the time. Um, she went upstairs and apparently we didn't know this, but she had been, um, saving money from birthdays and stuff like that. She came, went upstairs, took an envelope of money, came back downstairs and 
uh, gave it to Brad and essentially said, you know, I want this to go to Ileana. And I think, you know, for Hannah, that was a spark uh, for a career of serving others that continues to this day. And then the second quick story I'll tell, um, and then in our whole family went down to Nicaragua with Brad and, and served in, in La Chirica and that experience is, is important. But uh, the other thing I'll tell really quickly, this part Brad might not remember, after everybody went to bed, um, I, I went and uh, got a, a beer and Brad and I uh, sat in the room I'm sitting in right now doing this. That's when Brad talked to me about his experience as a player. So he had, we had oh, gone to a- Oh my God. We, I, I had been, I had gone to watch him with my family in Boston in front of 115,000 people in, for the dispatch breakup concert. They had done work for people in Zimbabwe. He, he had just showed us this video for this work in Nicaragua. I couldn't have been more proud of Brad, more proud about who he was, what he'd become. And I was slightly dumbfounded at first and thought like, my first reaction was sort of like, oh my gosh, like all of the stuff that I thought I was doing well, I think I failed. If 10 years, <laughs> if 10 years later, we're having this conversation. Um, but, but it also was this, you know, great, great conversation. And as Brad mentioned, maybe a, a you know, a shift in, in terms of freeing us up to move into the, put this behind us and, and, and have this shared understanding where I, I always had thought about Brad as a great player and really important as a player, but that was just such a small part of it that it was more like wow. who he is and what he did is what he did at Middlebury. And then all these amazing things. I'm like, boy, I'm living vicariously through Brad and how many his music career and who he's helping in the world. And I'm, I'm just so proud of him and I'm just going to live vicariously through him. This, you know, I have my little coaching thing that I'm doing, but this is why I'm doing it is that these, then these young men with bigger aspirations go out and do these big, huge things. And here's Brad apologizing to me for his play. And we had this moment in the room I'm sitting in right now at that reunion after he'd gotten back from Nicaragua. So maybe Nicaragua helped open you up to that uh, conversation that we had oh, that cleared cleared the decks for us to move forward and you to move forward. We all have those insecurities. We all dip down and we might be having these great moments on the outside, but on the inside, we're not feeling worthy enough or worthy of it. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm asking, like, is that, is that an experience that you were having? Like at the hut, you know, on the outside, everybody's like, whoa. And then maybe on the inside, when you approached Aaron in the midst of all of this, um, that was when you sort of like that weight was lifted um, when you were able to get it out. Yeah, that's that's so remarkable that it was in that same experience. I would say everybody has a story and it has nothing to do with how you perceive them in terms of their success or <clears throat> failure. And so Aaron in that moment is thinking about all the things that I have gotten to do and experience and, you know, like all the richness of all the things that we've done yet I'm carrying this dissonant thread through all of it feeling like oh I let him down or I let the team down that full that that blooms into a you know an internal lie and until I actually say what it is which it sounds like Ileana meeting her mm -hmm. probably brought so much light and so much 
um, charge into me that like, I had to, here's my chance. Here's, you know, like deep breath coach. You're not going to believe this. I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but I don't feel good when I look back at, and then fill in the blanks. Her name. Tell me the meaning of her name again. It's it's, God is speaking. God is speaking. And so God spoke to you. I think God spoke to you, used her as a channel, Mm. right. For, for this. And then you were able to then speak things out. Um, um, You know, recently uh, my brother was talking about some experience with his son and he was saying to him, don't compare um, your insides to somebody else's outsides. Mm. And I loved that. Love Love it. Love that. Don't compare your insides to somebody else's outsides because we have no idea what tape or what's going on in anybody at any given moment. I mean, you know, if you're, you see somebody who's having road rage it has nothing to do with me. Mm. <laughs> it has everything to do with whatever, whatever's going on with them. So, you know, what a great reminder of that. Um, but yes, like God, I think speaks to us through other people that, mm. um, you know, that's the mysteriousness of life is that, that there are these invitations, the cab driver, right? The invitation from the Quins, you know, the, I love that the Quinn in, <laughs> you know, and that you happen to go there, you know, there are no accidents. You happened to get in the cab, accept that invitation. You go to this place, you meet these people, you meet this beautiful girl with this, you know, with this electric smile who changes your life. Um, you know, you come back enthusiastically wanting to speak it you know, to other people, to in songs, then talk about it, um, you know, make this a great awareness about it in the world. And that's, that's where change happens. That's where positive change happens. Um, can you tell me about change that's happened since you started this whole journey? Well, it's pretty, it's remarkable just thinking of it from like a linear bit of growth. There I am with, <clears throat> with Aaron talking about Ileana and talking about lacrosse and, bringing everything kind of into the light to his point, kind of clearing the, clearing the decks. And then I went that weekend into the art center where I was a music major in uh, at Middlebury. And one of my favorite memories is that my senior concert, um, there was Aaron and coach Ritter and Peter Cohn. Just remarkable that they would come and support me in my senior concert, which is in the spring. during the playoffs when if it's just performance everyone would have their own reason to be working out and practicing and meeting and brad go squeeze in your concert and come back and join us but i felt so again known and supported and seen and that the whole team was there to support me and thinking about brandon doyle coach playing the french horn like there are other musicians (laughs) on the team too um but to be in that space, that very same space where I played my senior concert in 1996, and here we are in 2006, and now I'm doing a performance and with a slideshow behind me for anyone that wants to come for, during the reunion weekend, and I'm sharing Ileana's story and Nicaraguan, the story of Nicaragua and everything else. It's just remarkable for me to think if Aaron hadn't recruited me <laughs> saying it's more than lacrosse. It's a, th- I'm recruiting you for life. We're a different culture here. 
that's what I met my bandmates in dispatch at Middlebury. I met my advisor who said, you should study music, even though you don't read music, it's your passion. You should study this. Mm -hmm. So her affirmation gave me a path in music. Aaron and his family gave me a home. Mm -hmm. Three years later, Aaron and I are talking about lacrosse. How do you give away what's in your hands? Now I'm in Nicaragua after 30 or 40 trips and it's 2009 I'm thinking, coach, there are so many things happening here. I want these kids to be kids again. How can we give them sports and music and get them in school? And so he and I started emailing and another coach, coach Mickey Heineken, um, and several players who were division one that I knew from the University of Virginia. And we came up with this idea for lacrosse the nations, which was giving lacrosse to the kids in the trash dump. And so from that point forward, that's flourishing still now it's in four different countries and Aaron's son, Connor, I think spent a year in Costa Rica or what? five or six months in Costa Rica. Yep. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how this it's like a pearl necklace. You know, it's like all of these little beads or pearls making up this great whole of, of your relationship together and, and, and the, the great work that, uh, that you're doing. It's, it's really amazing. Did, did it feel good to you to kind of thread it all together? I'm like feeling like, um, you know, for me witnessing it, it was exciting to see. And it, they, from my vantage point, they were all invitations. Um, but the most important part is that you said yes to all of them. You said yes to all of these invitations. Um, and to go back and to wrap it into um, to friendship, um, you you said that you know that you felt seen, um, that you felt valued, um, uh, that you felt loved and celebrated, and that's what friendship is. And I think that that's the most important thing that we can offer one another. Um, is, you know, valued friendships that that see each other, that value one another, and that celebrate one another. And it seems like that love you got from Aaron and from the team and, um, you know, the, the the other people that have that have graced your life. There's a there's a, a biblical text that says there's nothing more treasured than a brother or a friend, and the the more that it's great to get to revisit this with Aaron and with you. I don't think I've ever made the connection that Aaron was a gatekeeper. He was someone who opened a door and said, will you come? Mm -hmm. And he created with his heart and with his decision, how he was going to create this culture, what the invitation would be like. And I said yes to it and started a journey where I met my bandmates who 25 years later were still making music, where I was taught that lacrosse is more than what happens on the field. And then we founded Lacrosse the Nations together to essentially learn how to have your gift, but what's in your hands is what's yours to give away. And that your quote. <laughs> in large part that comes from, from Can you Aaron. Can say, say that one more time? That's. I asked you what your words to live by or what your favorite quote is. Can you say that again? Um, what's in your hands is yours to give away. And the idea of it's never what you do in life, but the heart with which you do it. I think that's what I saw modeled through Aaron. And, and, and maybe, I mean, I was so young 
that I'm just, I'm not really seeing the full picture at all. I'm just feeling something that it's like, I think there's more than just, will I be on the field? I think there's more to it. And then that's what we're getting to put words to today. So I get to say to you, Aaron, thank you. Well, thank you, Brad. And I obviously echo that back to you because it's very mutual and this is not a one-sided and it involves now our families and spouses and our children, uh, little Amos and Lisa on your side and Pam and Hannah and Connor on my side. It's been, I mean, the impact on our families over the years has been huge as well. Just a treasure. Uh, what, what an absolute privilege for me you know, to, to sit in on this love fest today yeah. <laughs> and, and to listen to this. Not many men talk about relationships like this. And I think it's, so, I think it's really important. And it's a love fest. Aaron's, um, I asked Aaron what his favorite words to live by were. And, uh, and he said that his personal mission statement, which I loved, we should all have a personal mission statement, is to use his fortunate experience in athletics to make the world a better place. And today we witnessed that. So thank you both from, you know, from the bottom of my heart for taking the time to, uh, to share your stories and, and your unique friendship um, and journey together. It's really, really been something to be here today. So thank, thank you. Thank you, Pam. Appreciate thank it. Thank you for having us, Pam. And yeah. Brad, thank you for suggesting that we do this together. Love, love you. It. And, and uh, it was great to, great to do this. I'm Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and you have been listening to Talking Joy, talks that help you realize your value while creating authentic connections with others. For more information about our talk today or to get in touch, you can find us at TalkingJoy.org. And to keep the encouragement going, you can also follow Talking Joy on Instagram and Facebook. Simple, joyful, fun. Thanks for listening. This is Talking Joy.